We're supposed to be on mission. We're supposed to be people who, who are on mission. That's what we're going to be talking about today and, and kind of our posture in our city as we are out there, okay? So I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to jump right in. And uh, you might not expect where we're going. We're going, to go, we're going to go to the book of Jeremiah today, okay? And uh, so if you have your Bible, get ready for that. Um, otherwise, you can find it on your phone or your, uh, your device on version, And the notes are in there as well. Let me pray for us, and we're going to get started. God, thanks for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you put us here in Salt Lake. God, you put us here on this corner, and you, you brought us here and gave us a heart for this city. And God, we want to we show up here in a way that represents you. We want to be people here who represent you well. So God, my prayer is that you would teach us from your scriptures today, and that you would move us more into alignment with who you've called us to be and the church you've called us to be here. God, thanks for all the stuff we're going to hear and celebrate today. Would you work through our church for your glory? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So um, as, as the church, we, we want to be out there, but most churches have a bit of a, like I said, a posture or an inclination towards the city. And a guy named Darren Patrick wrote this book uh, about our posture towards the city. And he said there's kind of three postures, and one of them is against the city. How many of you know what I mean? Like, there are churches that are kind of against the city. They look out at the city and they say, man, the politics, the business, the morals, the arts, all of that is wrong, and we have to take a stand against the city. And you kind of feel that way when you interact with them. And they might have great theology, but their missiology is all messed up. That if somebody's going to find Jesus there with that church, they have to break through those walls and get into the church. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? And so, so they... They might have great Bible, but they, they don't have great mission, right? And, and their posture is defensive, and they're against the city, and they kind of take a stand that way. And then uh, there's churches that are of the city. They've become so much a part of the culture. They love it. They honor it. They, but they become so much a part of the culture that they're infused with it, that there's no gospel as they go out into the city. So you've seen... Uh, lots of times you'll see that we, we serve and we, we feed the homeless and we pack food for overseas and we uh, work over at the Dream Center and we do these different projects like we're going to talk even about today. And if you go out without the gospel, right, it, the power is gone. The light is gone. The saltiness has worn off. That we go as the church into the city with the love and the light of Christ. Okay, and so that would be the, the third one, is that the, the goal would be to be a church for the city, a church with the gospel, with the good news for the city. So I want you to turn to Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 29, uh, how many of you have heard of Jeremiah 29 before? Uh, lots of you, a few of you, okay. Um, Jeremiah 29 often gets quoted, but it's often verse 11 that gets quoted. We're going to start with verse 7, okay? In Jeremiah 29, again, you can look on the screen or you can follow along. Jeremiah is a prophet, and he lives about 600 years before Christ. And Jeremiah is a prophet in Jerusalem, but he writes not only to the people of Jerusalem, but to the people who are in exile in Babylon, okay? So Jeremiah chapter 29 if I can find it, we'll get there. Okay, Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to start in verse 7. It says, Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, and that's Babylon, if Babylon prospers, you too will prosper. 
Okay? And, and God just tells the people of Israel, seek the peace and prosperity of the place that you're at. Because if your place prospers, it'll be good for you. And you'll prosper. That's, that's the way I want you to represent me being my people here in this city. And, and so if you go down a couple verses, this is the verse that we normally quote from Jeremiah. It's verse 11, Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. The difficulty is we often don't know the context. See, like I said, the context of this is that the people of Israel have become a wicked people. And God said, repent or I'm going to have to judge you. Repent or I'm going to have to judge you. And sure enough, they don't repent. And sure enough, he sends judgment. He sends judgment through Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. And over the course of 25 years, he completely destroys the city of Jerusalem and takes a bunch of, kills a bunch of people and takes a bunch of people away. Actually, 4,600 people are deported as captives to Babylon. Okay, about 4,600 people. Now, Here's what happens is these people arrived in Babylon as captives. They arrived here as captives. That's how they got there. They didn't choose to live there. They didn't move there for a good job opportunity. They arrived in this city as captives, as victims of war, as refugees, as slaves. They were there not by their own choice. Imagine for you yourself that we were taken over by some country on the other side of the world, say China, and uh, many of us were killed and many of the rest of us, the smartest and the brightest and the most beautiful, were deported and we were in China. That's where these guys are at. And they're in a city and God says this to them. He says, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city into which I have carried you. Now that, that changes it a little bit, doesn't it? Because it makes sense when it's your city. It makes sense when you're born there. It makes sense when you chose to be there. But he says, seek the prosperity of the city. That's how I want you to be as my people. Okay? So that's the first thing is that we be inclined for the city. And the first thing that he says, if we're going to go back to chapter or verse 4, um, he, let's just read through this. This is actually a letter that Jeremiah wrote to those who had been exiled. Actually, Jeremiah wrote the people who were taken away. Uh, and the people of Israel actually had the idea that, hey, the bad guys were taken away and now we're the good ones because we obviously didn't get taken away. Well, Jeremiah writes him and he says, to let you know, you guys are the ones worth saving. God took you away and everybody left here in Jerusalem, it, they're the ones that are the bad figs, he says in, in chapter 24 of Jeremiah. But he goes here and here's what he says. He writes them a letter and this is read to all the people, all 4,600 people who are hostages in the city of Babylon, okay? Here's what he says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, settle down, Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they too can have sons and daughters. Increase in number here. Do not decrease. Now, there were false prophets and false prophets were saying something. It sounded much like verse 11. Hey, God has good plans for you and this is all going to be over soon and you're going to be out of here. And so the first thing I want to say is God says to them, don't rent. Don't be a renter. Buy. Sink roots, dig deep before this city. Okay, a lot of you are, tra how many of you are transplants here? How many of you are transplants? Okay, about half. So that's kind, of, that's kind of what we thought. About half of us are transplants and half of us are from here. Okay, a lot of you who are transplants, I hear this over and over. Um, 
you've been here like 15 years and you're like, well, it's not really home yet, you know? How many of you have said that, right? A few of you, right? How many of you have heard that? Okay, a lot of you. Now, here's the thing. Um, have you ever kind of like felt like a renter and lived like a renter? You, you know how a renter lives like when you rent a car for three or four days? Do you ever pick up any of the trash in the car? Unless you're OCD, right? Um, but like, do you really stop and vacuum out the car when you rent it? No, because you're a renter. You don't take care of it, right? Um, if you're kind of a risky driver, you do some of those risky things when you're renting that you wouldn't do in your own car, right? Um, and then if you rent a house or whatever, do you have a lot invested in how well the house is cared for? Maybe inside in your little space, but you know people that just totally trash stuff they rent. And if you're a landlord, you're like, yeah, I know lots of those people, right? Um, and God says, don't be a renter. Have you ever rented so much or moved so much that you move into a new place and you don't even unpack the boxes? Have you been there? Right? How many of you have unpacked boxes, right, from the last time you moved, right? Um, So we still have about, like, 15 of them, right? And, you know, we were talking about this this morning with the arts team and all that, and and we just agreed that sometimes it feels like I'm, I'm not really settled yet. It takes a while. And God says to these people who were taken as captives sink roots here. He actually tells them it's going to be 70 years. You're going to be here. Sink roots here. Okay. Now, if you knew you're going to be somewhere 70 years, you might do that. But, but here's what they are. They're captives in, in a land that isn't theirs with a language they do not speak. He says, sink roots here. Pray for the prosperity of your city. I want you to show up as my people like this. Okay. So don't be a renter. Does that make sense? Um, the second thing is be for the city, even though it's not for you. Okay. Even though that city isn't for you. Have you ever felt like in your city that your city isn't for you, but God's calling me to be for the city. You see, that's because God is like that. See, God is for us, even when we aren't for him. And he says, be for the city, even when they aren't for you. See, this city wasn't for them. This city took them and used them. And, and he says, be for this city. Have families here. Have grandkids here. Set up a life here. Be for the city, even if it's not for you. A lot of times, if you are in the habit of expecting that the next situation will be better, um, you're always looking to see where the grass is greener and you're looking past opportunities right in front of you. You know, most of us live our lives and, and to be sure, what God says, he says, settle down and establish your family and be for the city, be a good part of the community. You know, a lot of us just do that though. A lot of us are just for us. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever felt like, man, I just, I'm just for me right? And, and some of us live a little farther out in the suburbs, and we kind of commute in and out of wherever we go. Some of us live here and, and work to the suburbs, but largely you pass all your neighbors, you pass all the opportunities to serve, and you are for yourself, right? You're really not for anyone around you. You're for you. And to be sure, what God says is, he says, establish a family, but pray for the prosperity and the peace of your city. And so, don't be a renter. Be for the city, even if it's not for you. And then we trust God with the outcome. Okay, so here's, here's what happens. This is what he tells them. Um, if you go down to verse 10, he says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to 
Jerusalem, this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. He's saying that, remember, to a group of exiles, people who are in captivity in another foreign city. He says, make it your home before this city. And he says, I have good plans for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you'll call on me and come to me and I will listen. You will seek me and find me. And when you seek me, you'll find me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you all from the nations and the places I have banished you. God says, when you seek me, you will find me. And he wants the nations to know that. He wants the nations to know that when you seek God, you will find him. And you trust him for the outcomes. Um, if you, uh, there's a couple, there's a, if you're interested in this story, this is a great story, by the way. If you're interested in it, I would encourage you to read like chapter 24 to 29 of, of Jeremiah. Um, read the book of Ezra, which comes right after. And if you pick up like second Chronicles, like the last couple chapters, uh, chapter 36, something like that, um, you can pick up that and you can pick up the story. And what you find is that God exiled 4,600 people there 70 years later a lot of them stayed. You know, there was actually a lot of them who were in key roles in the government. There was actually a lot of them that really benefited the city. This group of people took what God did and they became part of the solution and the leadership of the city. And they were highly respected. And God took them and he took the city and the wealth of the city and the blessing of the king and they completely rebuilt Israel. That's what happens. 70 years later, 46,000 of them left. 46,000 of them left and a bunch of them stayed. They multiplied greatly and they had great influence in the city of Babylon. All because they, they heard God say, I want you to be my people and I want you to love others around you and I want you to pray for the prosperity of this city. So what about you? What about me? What do we do? Uh, because it's a lot easier to, to be for myself. You know, some of us even even kind of the way we roll at church is pretty much for us. It's all about what's good for me. This fits into my schedule and my time and, and it feels good to be here and this weekend it doesn't feel good to be here. And, and he says, I, I don't only want you to be for your family, I want you to be for the city around you because I am. If you look to First uh, Timothy 2, uh, 1 through 4, here's what he says quickly uh, in First Timothy. He says, I urge you first of all to make all requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. He just says, I want you to be always praying for everyone around you. Always be praying for all the people around you. Why? Um, he says, even for the kings and those in authority, okay, even for those who are in power over you in your city, pray for them that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and it pleases our Savior. He says, I want you to pray for everyone around you. I want, to be, I want you to be oriented for the good of all of those around you and for your leaders in your city. I want you to be oriented for their good because it's good for us to live peaceful and quiet, good lives of godliness and holiness. This pleases God. This pleases God that we'd be people like this, that would be for our city. This is good, it pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Do you hear that? He doesn't just want us to have a great city. He wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay? So as we go, as we are for our city, we must be about the gospel. Okay? So as you and I go out, like... 
you and I can, we can serve food every weekend. We can do that. If we don't do it with the gospel, we miss the mark, right? We can, we can be all about the gospel right in here and never get out to the city and we miss the mark. We live either of those ways. We tell our city to go to hell. That's what we do, right? We go out and we don't preach the gospel. We, we serve and do good stuff and we don't talk about Jesus. We tell them, hey, go on living your lives and spend eternity without God. We, we spend all of our time in here as a church talking about how good God is and we never take that out to the city. And we tell the city, man, we don't love you. We're not for you. We might as well tell them to go to hell. And here's what happens. You and I need to know, how are we oriented? Are you oriented against the city? Because most of us are oriented away. Maybe you were raised in such a way that you feel against everything. You're against the city. You're against morality. You're against art. You're against all those people. Maybe that's the way you, you're inclined. Or, or maybe you're of the city and there's nothing right or wrong. And the gospel, I don't know. I don't know if it's really all that important. Maybe I'll just kind of act loving and hopefully they'll pick it up. And maybe you're of the city. God calls us to be for the city. And if God's calling you to be for the city today as part of our church, my question to you is, would you be willing to say, God, how can I be for the city? Would you call me like you called these Israelites? Would you call me and trust me to be part of the city? We're going to talk about that. Uh, a few different people are going to share. Dave's going to interview a few different people today. And we're going to talk about ways that intentionally we as a church are trying to be for the city. Not so that those are the only days you show up and be for the city, but so that we together can learn how to be for the city. All right? I'm going to show you a video here, and uh, we'll keep going as soon as that's done. Have a good morning. What we're doing today is a RAIN project, which stands for Renewing and Inspiring Neighborhoods in South Salt Lake, Utah. And this is our third and most public event that we've done in RAIN. It's uh, three homes that we're redoing the yards. We're painting all the homes. We've got about 100 volunteers from local youth groups and businesses. Uh, they came out on a Friday night, and they just came here to, to bless these families. So we're excited. Well, I got a visit from a gentleman from Project Rain and just kind of said, well, we're looking at coming in and, and helping people, especially disabled people, and putting in new ramps and maybe helping you out with some of your yard. I thought, okay, sounds too good to be true, but we'll see if it happens. And they're here, and they came and are doing it. I'm excited. I can't wait to see what it looks like at the end. What we wanted to be is actual rain. We want to come to the neighborhoods, and when we leave, it's new. And so that was the idea behind it, and uh, something that Kyle and I grew up doing uh, in South Central with my grandpa, my uncles, my, my dad. Two Saturdays a month, we go out and just repaint over graffiti. And a city that was once top ten worst to live in in under 40,000 got named a beacon of light. We grew up doing that, and we've always wanted to do it, and so now we're finally to the place, and we saw our 71st handicap ramp here today. It's been a really fun project, and it's something that involves a lot of people. It's not just us doing work. It's, it's kind of bringing communities together. And like I said, it's something that we grew up doing, so it's something that's close to our hearts. It's something that we really care about and are passionate about, and we're finding out a lot of other people who feel the same way. All these people are doing this of their own just generosity and the businesses that have donated materials. It's just amazing to me that people would help me. I'm just one little person. Things like that just never happened to me. 
happens to Betsy. Look at this. I'm just in awe. Look at my beautiful ramp. There's so much gratitude, I don't even know how to explain it. Saying thank you to me just doesn't feel like enough. I'm not going to cry. We want to be generational in what we're doing with rain. So the little guys you see out here, the 10, 11, and 12-year-olds, this is about them. We want, when they're 30 and 40, uh, to have their kids still be doing rain in, in Salt Lake City. With all this, is going to make people think differently about the neighborhood. It won't be so embarrassing to say, this is where I live. We hope that when neighbors see what we're doing, that they come out and spruce their yard up. Or a group or a business says, hey, I want to be a part of something like this. Uh, we don't know. We just hope that, that it touches the family in some way. And years down the road, that it'll make a bigger difference. What goes around comes around. And if you give to your community, your community gives back to you eventually. And it, you may not see it in, in big ways like this, but you see it in little ways. And so we all need to give to each other. And what it makes me want to do is give more to other people. If you're giving a lot, you should give a lot. If you're giving a little, you should give that little bit that you have. And uh, I feel like I've been blessed with a lot of things. And, you know, you're just trying to find people who believe in the same things that you believe in and uh, you try to try, try, try to do it together. That's what life's about and that's what makes it fun. You know? Very cool. But ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to Clayton Corver, who uh, he and his brother Kyle, who've helped uh, put together Rain. So share with us a little bit more, uh, Clayton, about what it means to you and the heart behind this thing. Um, growing up, uh, you can kind of see in, in the video, we grew up doing this. Uh, we watched adults live out their faith, and our family phrase has always kind of been, our faith is caught, it's not taught. And so being a young man watching grown men, grown women do this on a consistent basis, it just seems like the right thing to do. And so now, as you saw, my older brother uh, plays in the NBA, and now he is doing the same thing. So we love the generational aspect. And we love that you know, rain, it renews, it restores. Uh, uh, going home to a brand new house is a lot more fun than going home to a rundown house. And, and great things come from, from new homes. And uh, it's a really easy way to serve and uh, everyone can be involved. And I think the idea behind it is not so much, we love the event, we love doing it, but what we love more is that people are seeing areas that are broken, that are in need, and then you see those areas, and then you restore them. And then you're actually thinking about it. So we hope as people walk away from it, you're consciously looking around your community saying, like, that's not right. Like, how can we fix that? And so I think that's kind of the idea behind it. Very cool. So just share, share real quick just one of the most beautiful things that you have seen as a result of this uh, from being a part of it. Uh, I think the, my favorite part is when the kids come out and paint and work, mm. and they work really hard, and they come back and they say, when can we do it again? When can we do it again? Mm. And Because um, I see myself as being that little boy, and now I'm getting to do it, and then I have little boys that are watching me. And so uh, I think that's the coolest part. Um, we, you know, The projects are great. The paint is great. Uh, but the volunteers, the people who show up, are as important as the work being done. Um, it can be healing for you as well as for the family. So, cool. 
So why did you guys, uh, why are you doing this in our neighborhood? Like, tell us a little bit about the history of uh, the involvement with South Salt Lake and and well, we got to know the leaders at South Salt Lake, and we just, we like them, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and we love that K2 is in the same area, and uh, it's been a great partnership, and so, um, yeah, it just, it just kind of all just, it, I think when things just work out, when simple ideas work out, that usually means that someone higher is in charge, and so when that works out, you got to just do it, and so, um, like Kyle said, if you can give a little, you give a little, if you can give a lot, you give a lot, but whatever you have, you just give, and because it's just the right thing to do, you don't do it for people to see you doing it. Uh, one of my favorite things to read about is that Jesus said when he would do things, he would say, tell no one, tell no one. Mm-hmm. And so we hope that people who come out to paint and to, to, and to help are out there because they don't want to tell someone that they're doing it. Um, we, we think that there's a higher standard of work done when you're out there because you should be out there, because you know in your heart that you should be there. So um, that's kind of our hope. And this will be, what, the fourth project then? Is that right? Yeah, fourth project. Fourth project. Yeah. And you know, I, I think it might be our third. Or, uh, it's at least our third, if not our fourth project, too. So K2, we've been involved. Uh, we've done some stuff where the city had some grant money that came in, and we joined them. The last thing we did was with Comcast. How many of you guys have done some stuff with us in South Salt Lake? All right? So about a third of you, maybe half of you. And so, um, and what's cool is, uh, like, Clayton's filing, following Kyle around as he moves from NBA team. You're now in Atlanta, right? Is that in right? Atlanta. Yeah. Okay, so you were in fans. Chicago. But I am so glad that when you came here and when he was a part of the Jazz, that you guys, you guys got some roots and they, they attended here at, at K2. And Brad Mepham, who you saw up on the, the screen, uh, Brad's here at K2. He's a member here and his wife Kim leads worship for us. And so uh, Clayton called me a few months ago and just said, hey, you know what? We, we're connected here. You guys are connected there. Let's yep. do something together. And it makes all the sense in the world because they are so well organized and they, they, they do this well. And we're kind of piggybacking this time finally and, and, and connecting with them. So share a little bit. Uh, August 25th is our day, okay? It's coming up in two, two weeks, and, mm-hmm. and share with us what we'll be doing on the 25th. Uh, you show up at 738, we're going to have food for you, and in four hours, you're going to see a home transformed. Uh, so we're going to paint. Uh, all the homes have different kind of needs, but when you show up and when you leave, the home be a different place. And so uh, it's a lot of fun. It's just, I mean, who doesn't like to paint? Slap some paint around, throw some paint at somebody. Um, but do a good job while you paint. You now know, you got the um, kids. Now, now exactly, they're in. Exactly. <laughs> so you might have to fix some stuff the kids do. But uh, and by, by noon, it's a new house. And so uh, we would love for you to be out there and, uh, and paint with us and re-landscape and just love people and love each other. And I that's the more important thing. Awesome. So, um, so we would love it. When you hop out of here today, you're going to go, maybe you probably already saw it. We have a couple tents out here and one of them is rain. And so you guys, can I just, I just want to tell you, and this is why we've been doing this series, you know, two weeks ago, we just, and I, you know, I asked you, I said, if Jesus, and we looked at his life and we just saw he was the king I mean, he, he's the king. He has all authority over the whole world. And then when he shows up, he says, and this is how my kingdom works. I, I don't come to be served. I come to serve. And so I just asked you this question. I said, if Jesus then, as a Christian, we believe that Jesus, this one who lives to serve, is living in us, then what do we do? Serve. Yeah, that was excellent. All right. I'm with so, you. so seriously, so I just want to say, uh, on August 25th, if you call K2, the church, your home, we're the body of Christ. Right? That's what the church is. We're the body of Christ. This body of Christ is going to be in South Salt Lake on August 25th. And I just want to encourage you, if you're, if you're uh, an uh, able-bodied person who can get out and be a part of this thing, and you're free on Saturday the 25th, um, hop over to this tent, and you'll see Brad. And, Come talk uh, to us. Yeah, Clayton will be there. They got tons of guys, uh, other yellow-shirted men who are hanging around.
someone out there who can help you just answer questions and sign up. And man, it'll be a blast. The more, and it always is. Every time we go, I'm, I, the whole day long, I'm just sitting there going, this is just the way it should be. It's just the way it should be. So thanks, man. Thanks, Dave. All right. Now we're going to shift over to, because one of the coolest things about, uh, to me, as we have been learning and building our relationship with South Salt Lake, is we're discovering that there's uh, just uh, tons of opportunities in every facet. Some of you aren't builder people, but you have other major hearts of compassion. And I want to introduce you to Carrie Cutler. And Carrie is the CEO of a consulting firm that's been working with Salt Lake for the last 10 years. And her, her desire is to, and skill is to create campaigns that actually move to change behavior so that people really begin not just to get gifts of things, but their lives really change. And I had the privilege of touring around Carrie, uh, and man, uh, and just seeing her heart and passion for the city was really exciting. So Carrie, why don't you fill us in though? Because a lot of people here don't live in South Salt Lake. Tell us about the neighborhood. Tell us about the city and the residents there. Sure, Dave. So um, the city of South Salt Lake, which you are worshiping every Sunday, and, and hopefully you pass through many other times during the week, um, is about 23,000 people actually live here at night. 75,000 people are here during the day working. Um, and it's a very, very diverse city. One of the really special things about it is that many, many people, about a fourth of the city, um, have come here from other places, other countries. And many of those are refugees who have come here because they have been persecuted either for their religious or political beliefs. And so this morning, I I was just thinking, oh, my goodness, the comparison is just so beautiful. Um, And those folks, um, just like many of us who have obviously come from other countries just one or two generations back, are depending on the kindness of strangers. And so the city of South Salt Lake is very diverse. Um, We have folks here who are uh, really struggling financially beyond what we think of as uh, as financial struggle. Families living on $10,000 a year or less. And families who are here who don't speak English and whose, whose children have never actually been in a formal school before. And so the need is tremendous. And as you're driving through the city, you may not recognize that. But as soon as you get to know a little bit about it, your heart is open to what exists here. Cool. And so you guys, uh, and there will be another tent outside as well, and, and for an initiative that they're calling Promise, which are neighborhood centers, and that's what we toured around and got a chance to see all the am- amazing different things that are going on. So share with us a little bit about the vision behind uh, Promise and these uh, centers. Sure. So um, we, we looked at uh, our city and we said, you know, what, what can we do as, as a city? What can we do to help? And, of course, the answer was person to person, we have to figure out a way to lift up the skills that aren't there. We have to figure out a way to help folks to find their way and not to do things for them, but to help them to find their way. And so uh, our, our mayor had a vision. She called it Promise South Salt Lake. And we established nine neighborhood centers in the city, and you can find out more information about those if you'd like to. And those are uh, uh, just one place, and some of them offer after-school programs, ESL programs, um, all kinds of different ways for folks to interact in a way that does that lifting up, helping 
people to have new skills and helping people to feel nurtured and mentored and cared about. Um, but we don't want to just think of it as you have to go to one of those centers in order to participate. We also think of it as centering around the families and the neighborhoods in South Salt Lake, just w- like what Rain does exactly. That's a centering around a neighborhood. Cool. So um, how can people be involved? How, what, what do you need? What are the needs uh, for these centers? And, and if some of us said, man, this, was, uh, this, is, yeah, this is something that I'm looking for. What, what are your needs and how can we help? So y- you can help by being present here, even just when you're in the city. If you are making eye contact with someone you've never seen before and saying, hello, we're glad you're here with your smile. That's a start. Then if you have the opportunity to jump in at any point, we have lots of contact information. If you wanted to volunteer for a day at Rain, if you wanted to volunteer for a few weeks to help a kindergartner get ready for school, if you wanted to help families who maybe you have um, extra clothes or maybe your family wanted to mentor a brand new family, a newcomer family to our community, you could do that. You could tutor or mentor um, in after school programs. You could help us out um, with the Community Connection Program, which does things in neighborhoods. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And we have been, for the last 10 years, as we have been seeing the influx of families coming in and recognizing that if we don't extend ourselves in kindness and in love to these families, that... um, the, the situation relative to our city's crime rates and our city's uh, poverty rates, it's just going to spiral out of control. So today is the call for action. Step in. If you can just put your toe in the door, that's okay. If you can step in full force, that's okay. But please today, step in. And, I remember, I, and that's really important to understand. Is I remember when I talked to Carrie that it, it can be it can be a one-time thing, just to, like she said, to put your toe in. Or some of you may already have said, "No, I've been looking for something like this. It could be more of a long-term relationship." A- anywhere on that on that spectrum, there are opportunities. So I want to really encourage you again to stop by uh, their tent, which is, will be right around the corner here. Okay, you got one more minute, and I just want to ask you again: Tell me and tell no, no tell everybody why do you do this? It's our opportunity to enrich our lives and to live our love through God, to connect with one another. And if we don't choose to do it now, we might think of, you know, oh gosh, I'm so busy, I just can't get to it. But the children need you, and the families need you, and they can't wait. They can't wait for you to be not busy next week. School starts in three weeks, and if we don't do it, There's going to be another group of kids who don't know what it is they need to know before they're ready for school, who don't know how to read by the end of third grade, who don't graduate from high school. We've got to do it now. Cool. Awesome. Love your heart. Now let me introduce you to someone that many of you who've been here for a while. This is Wendy Shelton. And how long have you been at K2? Um, A month after... That's what I thought. So you have been here. She came a month after we launched. And I tell you, Wendy, you are just one of my favorite um, just journeys. We always say that we celebrate the journey that every one of us are on with Jesus. And um, and lately, uh, Wendy just spent uh, time in the Philippines, um, sold everything, left her job, and just because she felt like God was asking her to do that. And that's when... I get, I get so excited when, whenever I see anybody who just says, I will do anything that God asks me to do. Because God loves the world. 
He, does, he loves the world, which means he loves every single person. And you don't have to go to the Philippines, though. He loves this world. He, he loves your world right around your sphere of influence. So when he comes back from the Philippines and immediately she's just like, okay, now how do I do that here? <laughs> you know, and how do I jump in? And so you've jumped in here at South Salt Lake. So why don't you tell everybody what you're doing? Sure. Um, I am currently mentoring at the PAL Boxing Center. Uh, I don't have anything to do with boxing. <laughs> um, they have a mentor program. And about two months ago, I signed up and I got matched with a 12-year-old girl. Her name is Denise. Her mom is Bosnian and her father is Serbian. And I go every Wednesday for one hour. Um, school's not in session yet, so there's no tutoring involved. We just, sometimes it's structured, sometimes it's not. Um, she was a perfect match for me. Neither one of us are sports-oriented. She wants to be a psychologist when she grows up. So she loves just hanging out and talking and asking questions. And uh, we baked a couple times and played games, and it's, it's been really fun. Cool. And, and why? why? Why is it that you're giving up this hour every week and you couldn't just not do something? Um, so during the time that I was in the Philippines, I ended up getting involved with several things that I do not had not done here. Um, I'm a professional um, HR person uh, normally, but I ended up uh, teaching sixth graders over there in a local school, and I also ended up teaching life skills training to um, teenagers, and ended up having a lot of downtime while I was over there, and and got to spend a lot of time. Um, getting involved with one-on-one relationship. And then, of course, living there um, allowed me a lot of opportunity to be out in the community. And I was also there during the typhoon, so was out in the community again doing outreach. And when I came back to Salt Lake, within the first couple weeks I was here, I had four different conversations with four different people, all of during which time something about South Salt Lake came up. So I had to pay attention to that. (laughs) And... um, ended up, um, because I really liked doing that in that particular age group, um, that was one of the ways that I was able to somehow figure out how to do what I was doing there and really liked. Um, And God made it really clear to me while I was over there that I really needed to think about how I was serving and to be more intentional with my time. Um, And once I met Carrie and some of the other folks with um, South Salt Lake, uh, they are, they're awesome to work with. It's, Mm. it's, it's been a no-brainer. Cool. You're a nice person to hang out with. <laughs> but uh, just a reminder, I mean, you don't have to get on a plane and fly 20 hours. There are people mm-hmm. within just a couple of minutes from here that, that mm-hmm. you can be mentoring and helping. And I'm now, I just recently moved close to this neighborhood as well, so I obviously have more of a vested interest. But um, obviously it's much more rewarding what you get back than what you're giving. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, you guys, this is, it's just so exciting. And I, I just want to encourage you right now, because some of you um, are, you're, you're sense, you've heard something today. You heard Lad's message. You've been here the last few weeks. You hear these opportunities, and there's something stern inside of you that says, I can't just sit back and not do this. I'm part of this body. I got to do something. And even in my own personal time with, with Jesus this morning, <clears throat> I was just asking this question about, even more so, God, where is the power that you say will come into my life? and that will come into the church that should be revealing your glory to the world. My life should be doing that, and so should this church. And I was just asking that question, and uh, someday I'll do a whole message on this. But the, 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 uh, the quick answer was, David, every time you simply say yes to me, every time you actually believe me, which believe means 
I trust in you, and I follow what you ask me to do. Every time you do that, my glory gets displayed. And so I just want to encourage you today, if you say yes, if you say yes, I'm in. I'm going to serve. Jesus, you're in me. I'm part of this church. I'm going to figure out and just talk to these guys and find out how that might be. I know this. God somehow will minister into your heart, and he'll start ministering to the world all around us, which was what he's all about. So I'm going to call the band up here, and uh, we're going to give you a chance now. And I want to encourage you to do this. Worship him. Worship him. Set him before you and say, you are my God. I do love you. That's why I'm here. Either you're seeking after the possibility of this God uh, who loves the world, or some, most of you, though, in this room have said, man, I am. I follow Christ. And so take this time as the band leads us to get your heart to a place where you're like, yes. And this first song is a perfect song because there is still so much more that could be done in this city. And God has great plans, and he's asked us to be part of it, which is so cool.